Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. I am joined this morning by Master Gardener Teresa Rooney to answer your lawn or garden questions. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning, Denny Burr. Well, come on now. It's <laughs> okay. It's, it's getting not, better. Now it's moved to seventeen degrees, maybe oh, twenty-nine a, today. It's going to be a heat wave. Oh my goodness! Yeah, just today though, and then we'll have to wait a couple more days and back to the below zero weather. But we'll we'll fill in those uh, weather details as we as we move through this weekend. Uh, as usual, we're in the midst of our Smart Garden Show. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question. Um, or maybe you have one like me. How do you build a fence high enough to keep the deer from eating your landscape? That's a whole nother. <laughs> My goodness, these things can jump. Unbelievable. Yes, they can. Yes, it should be the can. Olympics. It, it can easily jump seven seven feet plus. And boy, they if, do if, it. Yep. So, so but there's tricks there, Danny. If you can, um, if you can build it where they can't see the other side then they don't know what's mm. on the other side so they they can't judge the distance so there's things that you can do and and there's so there's things you can do um, well, because, that's a... and, and then they can't see the other side because there could be a pack of wolves on the other side they don't know that there could be a cliff there could be a lake they don't know that um, but so they can't see over it so that helps a lot too. and it's amazing what they can get through under Oh, yes. <laughs> well, that's listen. We're, you're not here to answer my problems. But thank you for the... But there's uh, other people out there that have the yeah, same problems. Yeah. Because, because pests, I mean, they're not really pests. They're animals. We're in their territory. That's they're true. in our territory. We've got to learn to get together because this is just how it is. People deal with it. Um, so, so you just have to figure out ways that you can get along together. And I, we just, we just I, have to learn to reach across the aisle, so to speak, and, and get along together and, and meet in the middle and figure out, you know, what can we sacrifice and what can they sacrifice so that we can both get along together. And I learned many, many years ago, because we have so many deer in, in, in that walk through the backyard, all, we all do around here, mm-hmm. but uh, they're beautiful animals and they do rest a lot. I've, uh, you know, with, where I put my leaves, they, they have nice bedding there. Well, that's so nice. But I learned years ago, yes. don't feed the deer. You're not supposed to feed them. Yeah, don't, don't feed. You really should. The only wildlife I think that perhaps people should feed is, is the birds. Um, Correct. The birds would be good. And and our pollinators, those are the only wildlife you should be feeding. Everything else should be fine on its own. 
You don't want to encourage overpopulation. You don't want to encourage concentrations of animals because then diseases spread. That's why you have to clean your bird feeders and your bird baths and things like that. So you just, I mean, you know, people, we all get together and we can, we can share things, you know, so, so we kind of space apart a little bit. Animals space apart. They have territories. You don't want to encourage non-regular behavior. So yeah, don't feed, don't feed the deer, you know. Don't, don't feed, don't, don't let them browse like they normally do. Let them browse like they normally do. See what they're browsing and don't plant that anymore. Plant (sighs) other things that they aren't browsing. (laughs) Well, it looks like I'll have to put up a billboard or something just to to block there. (laughs) Unbelievable. But anyway, if you have any kind of Alana Garden question for Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, by all means, don't wait. Now, we always tend to get uh, kind of a slow start, and then we get overwhelmed by uh, phone calls and text messages. So uh, join the conversation. You can use, there's just one number. You can use it either to call and chat with Teresa or just send Teresa your text question. Either one, here is the number to use, 651-461-9226, Well, what uh, uh, have you been doing? I mean, I'm sure you're like, reading seed catalogs, things I'm, like I'm that. I'm starting to get the catalogs. Um, I did want to send out a big welcome potential future Master Gardeners interns. They are starting their studies mm. now. And you as a general public person could actually take the Master Gardener course without putting in the service hours. You just have to pay for the course. Uh, and and our the extension.umn.edu has a link to how to do that if you want to learn how to what the master gardeners are learning and they have a lot of different programs coming up there including programs on diversity and of course horticulture and pollinators and climate change and all those things that that the people in our communities want to learn about that we know are important to them so we have to learn about those things and then we learn how to find out the information to help our public so master gardener interns welcome i'm so excited for you it's big, it's scary, but you can do it, and it's not as scary as you think it is. Break and it for those, for those, uh, for those, Teresa, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, that, that would like to do that. Now, like you said, if you just want to take the course, you pay for that to mm-hmm. kind of learn what uh, you as a master gardener have learned. Uh, uh, well, how do we do that? What, was there a website? Right. I would go to extension.umn.edu. And then it'll give you links on how to get there and sign up. It's a regular university course. It's basically Hort 101 and a few other courses thrown in. And it's all online. It's all via webinars Mm. and Zooms. And for all you master gardeners out there who are just, like, rolling out of bed, you know, or whatever, you can also take that course for free. As a master gardener, that course is open to you every year free. So we can always update our skills and, and get um, education. So it's the university is a wonderful asset to our to our state, and we're really lucky to have them. We'll mention as we like to do that uh, that website uh, as we move through this hour. So in the meantime, if you have a lawn or garden question, again, here's the phone number. It's also the text number six five one four six one. Nine two two six. Teresa, speaking of the phones, Tom is calling in from, I believe, Minnetonka this morning. Five one four six one nine two two six. Teresa, speaking of the phones, Tom is calling in from, I believe, Minnetonka this morning. Uh, Tom, good morning. You're on CCO with Teresa Rooney. Morning. I got a couple of rabbit questions. First one is, I went out and realized the rabbits had basically decimated all the roses. 
Um, so I was putting up chicken wire barriers around some other stuff. So first question is how tall would that need to be to keep the rabbits out? Um, and the second one is if I use the repellent, they say once it rains, it's washed off. Will this dry snow count as rain? Good. Those are good questions, Tom. So I would urge everybody today when it's a little warmer to go out to your yard and see what kind of damage your, your plants are enduring, and you can fix it, you know, because if you didn't put up the fences before, you can put them up now. So repellents work. They just don't work as long in the winter, so you probably have to re reapply them more frequently. I'd say maybe every three weeks go out there. If you're starting to see damage, go out there sooner. Of course, as the repellents are covered by snow, that snow will cover the fragrance or the, the aroma also. Uh, with the fences, your guess is as good as mine. You want to make it tall enough so the rabbits can't jump around. Now, someone did mention to me years ago that what they sometimes do is they walk around those fences. So you pat down the snow around the fence so the rabbit is now down back almost at ground level so the fence doesn't have to be 12 feet high. It can be, you know, 3 feet high. And, and their background level, they can't really jump over that. So make a little uh, little tunnel, a little moat right around each fence. That will help so you don't have to keep adding on top of your fences. Good luck. And, no. and you can tell it's rabbit damage because it'll be a real sharp cutoff, like a 45-degree angle. If it's kind of rip and torn, that's a deer damage. Hmm. They mm. can do it, too. Yeah. They can do it, too. Oh, my. <laughs> and, and, again, those repellents will be needed to be reapplied a little more yeah. frequently. Maybe every two, three weeks go out there and just, you know, just check your, 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 the plants. And lots of the plants will come back from that damage. They'll just be a little shorter. They've done some pruning for you. Maybe not how you would want them or aesthetically correct, but it's been done. This uh, listener, and then we have to take a quick break. I want to cut a limb off an oak tree. Do I cut it flush to the trunk? Good, good. Uh, there's uh, good directions on the extension website. You want to do a three-part cut. So go out about a foot from where you want to make the cut. You want to cut upwards just to break the bark so that when the limb falls, it does not rip the bark all the way down to the ground. Then you want to cut off the weight of the tree, so now you have a stump. Then you want to or cut off the weight of the limb. Then you want to look for that branch collar. That's where the branch joins the trunk of the tree. It'll look a little different. You want to cut right on, right above that, right at that branch collar. You want to leave the collar on. That's where all the chemicals are that will help to seal up that cut. All right, very good. Hang on, Teresa. We'll take a quick break and then be right back with more of our Smart Garden Show. Beverly, you're going to be next on the phone. We have text messages as well. Here's uh, either, if you want to call it in or text in your question, 651-461-9226. 17 degrees on our way to 29 here in the Twin Cities on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Garden Show. It's called Smart Garden. We are here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour welcoming your lawn and garden questions. This morning, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney answering those type of questions. It's 651-461-9226. Either phone call or text will get you here on CCO. Uh, Teresa, uh, we promised Beverly be first up here from Burnsville. Beverly, thanks for calling in. What's your question for Teresa Rooney? 
Good morning. I do so appreciate the program. My question is, what's the optimal month to start my geraniums from cuttings, and about how lengthy should those cuttings be? Beverly, first of all, we appreciate you too. Thank you. Um, that's a really good question. So if you brought in your geraniums and they're getting kind of leggy, now you can start your cuttings. You probably want to wait till maybe February-ish and then start your cuttings. Give them the, as much light as you can. A lot of this depends, of course, upon where you are in the state and when you're going to be setting your geraniums out. But if you can give them, say, two good months in the house, uh, that would be February, March, April, and then they'll start be able to be getting to go outside uh, in May. But the amount of light you give them will be really important. They'll need a lot of bright light. So if they're getting tall and leggy, that means they're just not getting enough light. So if you can really get a good, cool um like an LED light, something that doesn't get hot, or it, you won't need a grow light. If you have one, that's great. But just an incandescent, uh, not an incandescent, either one of the tube lights, the um, the, uh, the the tube lights, or an LED light that does not get hot, and put it as close to the plant, say one or two inches above the plant. That'll give it a really strong light system, and you want that to run about like 12 to 14 hours a day, or even 16 hours a day for your plants. Right, Good luck. Very good. Texter says this, Teresa, bought a new geranium in the spring, was full of flowers, uh, repotted it, and put it in the spot where I've had them before. After losing greenhouse flowers, it has never bloomed again. Have the pot inside now. Plant is healthy looking, still no blooms. What's going on? Hmm, that's very interesting. Uh, It could need a little fertilizer in the soil. If it's growing happy now and it's nice and happy, I would just keep it in the bright, bright area that you have it. Give it as much light as you can. Maybe start a really light fertilizing process. Um, maybe once a week, a quarter strength fertilizer. Um, if it's not growing happy and it's and it's not, it's just hanging on. You don't want to be fertilizing. You just want to keep watering it. But once they start growing and looking nice and happy, then you want to start giving them from some fertilizer and as much bright light as you can. I'm not sure why they're not blooming. That's very weird. But uh, give it a, give it a good trim if it needs a good trim, and then do the start with the light fertilizer. It could just need that. It could just need a little more fertilizing in the um, in the soil. Okay. Here's a text says, greetings, happy new year. Thank you. I received an orchid. It is a long stem, about 18 inches high. I think it may be called a moth orchid. Mm-hmm. It's in a container about four inches in diameter. Would like to transpa- uh, transplant it into a larger pot. What do you think? Okay. Um, okay, so you do have a moth orchid. That's also called a Phalaenopsis orchid. It's one of the easiest orchids to grow, and welcome to the world of orchid growing because you are going to love this plant. They are so easy to take care of. Now, this plant is does not have roots. Well, it has aerial roots. It does not have ground roots, so you'll never plant it in soil. It needs to be planted in wood chips, and it doesn't need a big pot. It just think of these plants. They, they just grow in the crotches of trees in the jungle, so there's no soil up there. They just kind of hang on to the tree, and the moisture that comes on their roots, that's the moisture that they, that they get for all, their, all what they're doing. Um, it's not a super bright light plant, so it's a moderate light plant. If you want to repot it, just get some good orchid mix from your local garden center. It'll be wood chips. And you just take the roots out, trim out any roots that are dead and brown, and just uh, take your pot. The pot must have drainage in it. You don't want it in a, in a little plastic Dixie cup or something. You want a pot that has drainage, even though you won't be 
it won't be having soil. It still needs to drain. So then you take the wood chips, just put a little pot, a pile of wood chips at the bottom of the pot, set the roots in, and then as you increase the wood chips in the pot, keep bringing the roots up, kind of wiggle it up so it's sitting almost on top of the soil. That sounds kind of weird. Uh, I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, but you're not going to bury the wood, the pot. You just want to put the the roots in enough to hold the, the wood chips, that the wood chips hold the roots. Give it a good drink of water, which means maybe putting it in the sink and soaking all those wood chips and then letting it drain. And then about once a week, you want to, to soak everything. Uh, give it a good drink of, um, I would let the water sit out overnight so it's room temperature so that the uh, chlorine has evaporated or use distilled or filtered water. And then just give it a good drink of water. Uh, that means dampening everything and then just letting everything drain. And that's all you're going to really have to do. Okay. And we have some great information on wood chips on the extension site, extension.umn.edu. And that's uh, a phalaenopsis or moth orchid. Or a moth orchid. Uh, that's a great website. We'll mention it again and again, extension.umn.edu. Great reading, summer, winter, fall, doesn't matter when. So just a great resource. This listener, Teresa, says, is now a good time to prune an apple tree? Now can be a good time to prune an apple tree, maybe tomorrow when it's a little bit warmer. Uh, to go to the extension website, again, it'll give you some good ideas about what you want to look for when you're pruning your apple tree, if you're hesitant about it. Uh, you want a nice open shape. You want a shape so that if you can imagine a cat or a squirrel could walk easily along the branches and that you could maybe throw a, a, a football through it. So you want a very open shape. You want uh, the um, like a staircase of limbs going all the way around the trunk. So that's very open so the entire heart of the tree can see the sunlight and all those flowers can get the nutrition they need to bring apples for you. Good. Teresa, I know we have to take a break. I have a look at that forecast. Uh, but you have animals. You have critters at home, do you not? I do have critters. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, for those, uh, for you and for those that uh, also do, in the 10 o'clock hour, right after our home improvement hour with Andy Lindis, we've invited veterinarian Dr. Jean Gesky back in the uh, 10 o'clock hour to answer pet questions. So keep that in mind. That's uh, this morning in the 10 o'clock hour. Here on News Talk 830 WCCO Weather Straight Ahead. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around uh, every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to good folks like Master Gardener Teresa Rooney answering your lawn and garden questions this particular morning, either by phone or by text. And that number, just one to remember, 651-461-9226. Teresa, when we uh, first uh, opened up the show uh, this morning, we were talking about being uh, a Master Gardener or Mm -hmm. becoming one. And uh, you mentioned that, and maybe we could repeat this, but the texter said, can I become a master gardener without paying for the course? Uh, Let's see. What you do, you have to interview in your county to become a master gardener. And if you're accepted into the program, then uh, there is a fee, but uh, there is financial help for those who, who would need it. So that's that's always an option. Uh, but you would not pay the full, I think it's like $570. You would not pay that that amount. Uh, you're basically paying just for uh, a material book and things like that that you're paying for. 
So, but you have to. But if you take the horticulture course on your own, oh, and then you have to do your your volunteer work. If you take the horticulture course on your own uh, and you pay your five hundred dollars, you can't call yourself a master gardener. Mm. That's that's a different thing. You're just getting the education, but you can't go out there and say that you're a master gardener because you were not accepted into the master gardener program, which is a program that's all volunteer based uh, through the university. So we're all volunteers and. We put in those hours, and we get that education. We do our volunteer hours, and we're just, okay, we're plant geeks. We just love talking about plants. <laughs> well, <I laughs> and agree. we just found a way to ha- to feed our habit, okay? But, but again, for those, um, uh, Teresa, that maybe just have joined us, if you have an interest in that, and, and give us that website again, and how, sure. how do we go about finding out more? It's extension.umn.edu, and that's the yard, the yard and garden line, yard and garden tab is what you want obviously you wouldn't want to go to 4-h or something because you want to talk about plants and on there you can learn how to become a master gardener you can also get connected to courses Uh, some are free and some are not free Uh, not with master gardening but through the university you can learn a lot about plants and and uh, diseases plant diseases and things like growing and vegetables and it's just a wealth of information landscaping ideas turf information trees information there's all kinds of information on there then you can also go to the Ask a Master Gardener tab on that, or there's a little link there. If you have a Master Gardener question, and you can't find a Master Gardener right around the corner, you can also just send in a question to the Master Gardener, and there is an, abil- an ability to add uh, pictures for that Ask a Master Gardener. All right. Good deal. So I uh, hope that answers your questions, but, yep, you can just go there. All right. Here's a text that Teresa says, good morning. I have a flowering maple. It's outside all summer, and I bring it inside for the winter. It grows tall but not full. Is there anything I can do to get it to grow fuller without, or rather, with stronger stems? Sure. Uh, it, just give it a little, as much light as you can, of course, and just prune it judiciously by pruning back uh, to, to where there's maybe two little nodules coming off so it it just would be like pruning your basil or you're snipping your basil. You you snip just above where two little leaves are coming out or two branches are coming up. That causes those branches to grow rather than just uh, adding more and more one stems. You want to have those those stems branch out and then branch out and then branch out. That's what you're trying to do to make it more full. Okay. This listener, Teresa, wants to know, can I trim back lilacs now? Okay. People... You can trim back anything now. Is it a good thing? That's up to you. If you trim back your lilacs, your rhododendrons, your azaleas, your mock oranges, you're cutting off flowers. If you don't care, yes, you can trim your lilacs now. Uh, you can also do what's called renewal pruning, which maybe means you take down, uh, you take out a third of the biggest branches that, that decreases the height you do that again next year. You do that again the following year. By that time, you've removed all the old lilac, and you've had flowers every year, and now your lilac is down to two to th- five feet, and you have flowers at that at, at that level. If you're just pruning it because it's too big in one area or you just want to do some, some uh, judicious pruning, go ahead and prune it. It just means that those branches, you're not wherever you've pruned, you're not going to have flowers. It's not going to bloom there next year. Okay. Here's somebody who's thinking ahead for uh, lawn care. After the snow leaves, what is a way to flatten a very rough lawn? 
Uh, there's there's a lot of ways. One way is, of course, to uh, aerate it, and that will break it up a little bit and, and cause those, just cause some of the tension to get out of the soil. Uh, that's a good way to do it. Some people roll their lawn. Uh, that, that, to me, is kind of counterproductive because you're, you're, you're compacting it again and you're making it compact. So so you can do that. I would definitely go to the turf area of the yard and garden uh, yard and garden uh, extension.umn.edu and look at why it might be bumpy for your areas, but uh, certainly um some some aerating will really help to just loosen up that soil and let that soil not be so compacted, not be so bumpy, and help it relax a little bit. And then, of course, growing your grass with long roots rather than really short roots, and that helps too. Uh, speaking of aeration, this next text uh, is dedicated to that. My question is, I live out in Ramsey, and we have uh, pretty sandy soil. You have very do, sandy soil. Do I still <laughs> need to aerate my yard? You know, you have to look at your yard. It, does the ground seem really compact? Is it is it hard to dig in the soil in the lawn? Is that really hard? You know, the, even sand can get compacted on the beach. If you walk on it, it does get compacted. Um, it's not as likely to be harmful because you have so much sand and there's so much space and the roots can get around. But kids running on it, the mailman walking on it, the dog and you walking on it, all of that compacts the soil. That's a lot of pressure on the soil. So maybe once every 10 years you aerate it. Just go out there and, and put the shovel in once the frost is out and the ground has dried out. Put the shovel in and, and t- how, how easy is it to dig? You know, you, that's a steel shovel. You're putting that in the ground. Think of those little plant roots. How hard would it be for those roots to get through? If it's pretty hard for your shovel, it's probably pretty hard for the plant roots, and it might be a good idea to aerate the lawn. You're going to have to help me on this one. Uh, uh, this uh, listener says if I plant, there are a type of daisy, pyrith. Pyrithium. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's like it's. it's yeah. Mm-hmm. With it's, my grapevines, will the grapes be safe to eat? Now, why would that be a concern? What is that? What kind of a daisy it, is that? <laughs> it's like it, they're they're in the chrysanthemum family. Pyrethium is the chemical they use to kill some insects, and it can be impactful on on our on our pollinators. Which is, if you're using a pyrethrum based insecticide, you want to make sure you follow the directions. Your grapes will be absolutely fine. There's no, well, you're thinking of cross-contamination. There's nothing like that happening in the roots. Nothing like that's going to hurt at all. You could probably eat those daisies and you'll be fine. So go ahead, plant them next to your grapes and enjoy the beautiful landscape that you're creating. That's a really tricky question. I like that. Yeah. Um, This listener says, I have some box elder bugs in my home, just a few. Oh, lucky you. And (laughs) And have only one indoor plant. Um, they must be thinking it's caused by, well, it must be attracted to them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the texter says, I'm gone four months beginning soon. What do I do? Well, I, I have no idea with the lifespan of of a box elder bug. Right. Um, the box elder bugs, they aren't really going to bother that plant at all. So you don't have to worry about that. They may like hide around in the soil because the soil will be warm from the sunlight hitting it or something like that. 
or it's in the bright window, which is what the box elder bugs want. So you don't have to worry a lot about that situation. I'd worry more about how your plant's going to survive four months, yeah. but I'm assuming you've taken care of that part of it. Um, if you want to, you can also just, uh, you know, just uh, go to the extension website and look about how to get rid of those box elder bugs. Usually if they're just kind of sitting there, you could just vacuum them up with a little hand vac and then toss them out in the snow. Uh, you don't want to crush them because they can be kind of smelly and that kind of stuff, but toss them out in the snow. Maybe some bird will really enjoy eating the frozen dead box elder bugs or, or something like that. But don't worry about your plant. Your plant should be just fine. All right, good. Uh, here's a listener that says, I keep all of my amaryllis bulbs from year to year and grow them outside in the summer, then bring them back in the fall. I do fertilize them all summer long and grow them in direct sun. Mm-hmm. I'm just now starting to bring them back out, but I never seem to get uh, as big of a bloom as I did on the original. Do you have any pointers? It, it could, hmm, you're fertilizing them. They're getting a lot of bright sun. Their leaves should be nice and big. It, it could just... Maybe they need a little more fertilizing as you're growing them into flowering, I'm thinking. They could use a little more fertilizer. Or you could be working with a lot of bulbs that have now um, had babies, and the babies are younger, and they're not, uh, the the, the daughters aren't as strong to have such big flowers. That could be too. They're just a lot younger bulbs. If you're still working with the one bulb, the the one bulb, you're doing everything right. Just give it as much light as you can and maybe give it a little bit more fertilizer as you bring it out of dormancy. So it's coming into a really rich environment, and that should help. Kind of related, uh, this uh, next text is dormancy. So it's coming into a really rich environment, and that should help. Kind of related, uh, this uh, next text is my amaryllis is not growing. How much light and water does an amaryllis need? You want the soil to be just a little bit moist, not super wet. You want to make sure it has good drainage so the root is not rotting, the bulb is not rotting. And uh, if it's not blooming, just make sure it's not rotting. Give it a little bit of fertilizer and give it some bright sun. Bright sun is what it needs. Okay. Hang on, Teresa. We'll take a quick break here and be right back with more of our Smart Garden Show. 17 degrees now in the Twin Cities, heading for 29 today. Enjoy it because for the next few days, a couple of days anyway, it's going to be getting colder again below zero. Stay with us on News Talk 830. This is W. And a good Saturday morning to you. Denny Long here along with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney answering your lawn and garden questions here on our Smart Garden Show. And as usual, Teresa, we have a bunch. You were going to say something. Yep, I was just going to say the two amaryllis questions. Yeah. I just double-checked the website. Uh, Make sure the fertilizer has a higher middle number. And I remember Julie, I think it was a few weeks ago, was saying, you know, sometimes the bulbs just get old and you just have to say goodbye if they're not blooming. So sometimes, you know, 10, 15 years, they get a little old. Okay. Speaking of Julie, Teresa, I just noticed we have so many text messages. I just uh, noticed Julie sent in one we were regarding, we had a question about pruning apples. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Happy New Year, Julie says. Uh, Teresa, thank you for being part of the Smart Garden team. Uh, pruning apples. Uh, we have, meaning the university, has a great video series on pruning apple trees on the Extension Yard and Garden Fruit webpage. Yep, just that 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 yard garden that is amazing. I mean, you can 
you know, if you want to get out chores at home, hey, just say you're researching something on the Yarn Garn line. It's, it, it is the extension.umn.edu. <laughs> and don't forget, too, and I know uh, we're going to have a little break from the cold weather today, mm-hmm. but uh, year-round, get to the Arboretum. I get mean, to the Arboretum. They have the snowshoe trails are open. The three-mile walk is open. The three-mile drive is open. Drive carefully. They have wonderful things out there. Get out there and enjoy it. Uh, they have a winter market next weekend. Uh, they have a uh, you can you can snowshoe the snowshoe the wolf full moon on the fifteenth mm. or sixteenth. It is so. There's a lot of things you can do at the arboretum even in the winter time. And uh, to uh, if you want to get there, get online to register. Right. Right. You do have to have a ticket to get in. You yeah. have to pre-register. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, can I? Here's a listener question. It says, "Can I top off uh, arborvitae and tamarack to inhibit height growth?" You can. Uh, just do it. You only want to take off the most at any time. You want to ever prune from a tree is twenty five percent. So you know that's a big chop. Um, you may want to also consider: Do you want to keep fighting this fight every year? Uh, you know, right plant in the right place. If you only want a plant that gets five feet tall, don't plant a Technia arborvitae that wants to get like 25 feet tall. It's a fight you're going to lose, and you're going to hate that plant. So you may want to consider that, too, if you have to keep topping plants all the time because they're getting too tall. It may be time to take them out and put a correct plant in that place. You know, I, I hate to say to take out a healthy plant, but... It's a fight. Unless you like that fight and you like that challenge, go for it. But, yes, you can. Okay. How long, this listener says, should geranium cuttings be? Uh, oh, okay. So they can be, you know, two to four inches. Four inches is a good four to six inches probably is good. It's big enough to work with and big enough to have some to put in the ground. So I'd say four to six inches would be good. Here's a good uh, question I, I know you and your colleagues uh, refer to all the time. Should I be using distilled water in all my indoor plants, or will some tolerate tap water? A lot of them will tolerate tap water. I would definitely leave the tap water out overnight, first of all, so it comes to room temperature, unless you have a cold house like me, and then maybe warm it up a little bit. Uh, and also it allows a lot of the chlorine gas to dissipate. There are still going to be chemicals in or chlorine to dissipate. Um, there will still be chemicals in there that a lot of plants don't like. There'll be some residual stuff in there that a lot of plants don't like, and you'll see that they don't like it because they'll get brown edges on their leaves. And in those plants, then do use the distilled water. And uh, I think you, you and your colleagues have referred to don't uh, don't use uh, softened water. Right, because softened water is softened with salt, mm-hmm. and salt kills plants. Very good. So, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't use softened do water. Don't use that. If your whole house is softened water, then you're going to have to either melt snow, you're going to have to use rainwater, or purchase distilled or filtered water from the store. You know, like uh, Julie has mentioned, a reverse osmosis type of or reverse uh, osmosis. Water. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Good morning. This one says this text: the limbs on my ironwood tree droop down when it gets bitterly cold, like it's been the last few days. When it warms up. Uh, the limbs rise back up again. Can you please explain this uh, process? Uh, yes, wow. when they droop, it's a good foot or so. Thank you. Wow, that's amazing that you can see that in a tree. Usually when a plant is moving its its limbs, its leaves, it's getting them out of the sunlight or getting them into the sunlight. Um, it's protecting itself. 
I'm not sure why the cold would cause it to droop unless it's a, a water and it's bringing water down into its roots uh, because it doesn't want it to freeze. I, I honestly don't know. That's amazing that you've noticed it in your ironwood, and I don't really know the reason why a tree would do that as much, especially because it doesn't have any leaves on it at this time of the year. So that question is a totally baffling one to me, but plants do move their limbs and their leaves um, to take advantage of the sun, the, to get out of the heat, into the heat, out of the sun, into the sun, to, to protect from water. To, when they when they have a lot of water, they have more water to hold up. When they have too much, not enough, they droop. So plants are very mobile. They're a lot more mobile than we think. But do, I don't know why the iron would do that. And now hmm. I'm going to be doing some research today. Thank Interesting. you. Interesting. Yeah. Here's somebody who's thinking ahead about their lawns. How do you get deep grass roots? You need to make sure that um, you're letting the grass grow. Uh, three to four inches and then only trimming the very tops so you're only trimming uh, about an inch off the top at a time or half an inch off the top so you're keeping it at about that three and a half to four inch height well the basically the taller the grass can be the deeper the roots can be that's not a a one-to-one thing but but if you keep your grass really short the roots are really short the roots don't have that much to support so they don't have to be really deep when you have these tall leaves of grass those leaves can really photosynthesize and then bring a lot of energy into the roots, and the roots can bring a lot of energy up to the to the grass leaves. So it's kind of that kind of relationship. So grow your grass a little bit taller, uh, and that will help. Uh, Teresa, we have uh, 60 seconds to go. Uh, okay. Let's mention that. Well, I'll mention the website, then you can mention how, how to become a master gardener quickly. Uh, the website, extension.umn.edu, and you can find out about that there, can't you? Yep, you can find out about how to be a master gardener. It's too late this year, but you can start signing up and get involved and, and then start uh, interviewing in August, October, September, whenever your county interviews. And, uh, again, get to the Arboretum. Get to the Arboretum. Uh, how do you get there? You just head west on the Highway 5 and go to 41, and you'll see the big uh, signage there. You just go down a, about, uh, you know, 100 yards and to the left in there. Yeah. To the left, yep. Easy, and, easy to and, find. Yeah, you know. But you got to register. you got to get online you got to register and get those catalogs in, get your yeah. seed, seed orders in, you know, do some winter sowing, and just enjoy winter because it's part of Minnesota, and that's Absolutely. why we're here. Teresa, thank you so much thank for your you, expertise. Thank you, Happy New Year, everybody. Yes, we'll talk soon. Teresa talk Rooney, to you later. Master Gardener. Thanks very much, uh, Teresa. Now, get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis next hour, and then the following at the 10 o'clock hour, if you want to talk to a veterinarian, it's Ask the Vet. Dr. Gene Gusky with us in the 10 o'clock hour. So home improvement and Ask the Vet. That's all straight ahead. Here on News Talk 830 WCCO, 17 degrees in the Twin Cities. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.